Hi, this is Polly with another episode of Conversations with Psychics, podcasts to help us find out what psychics do, how they do it and why. Join me in discovering that they are everyday people who do extraordinary things. Today I'm chatting with Sherry Clark, who is a mediumship teacher, a psychic development teacher, a healing teacher, and if that isn't enough, a yoga teacher too. I've known Sherry for years because I had the amazing good fortune to be taught by her at the SAGB, the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain, where she was teaching us mediumship. Since then, she's become a firm friend and remarkably has continued to teach me for all those years since then in a private mediumship class. The fact I'm still not a professional is no indication about her teaching ability, but more an indication about my total lack of discipline. Mediumship requires a lot of practice and effort. Anyway, as a student of hers, I've always been fascinated at how mediumship teachers can do what they do. When you think about it, they're teaching people to play an invisible instrument, their energy body or chakra system. They're learning to play an instrument they cannot see or touch. They don't know what it looks like. On top of that, they don't know what they're aiming for or what to expect. They don't know what spirit sounds like, what spirit looks like or what spirit feels like. That's not all. Everyone's instrument is different and plays slightly differently and the teachers have to take that into account. So really, what mediumship teachers do is pretty remarkable and that's why I want to chat with Sherry to find out more about it. Okay, without further ado... Hello Sherry. Hello Polly. What I want to talk to you about is obviously you do lots and lots of things but really about mediumship in this session and specifically about you being a mediumship teacher and I've discovered that people think that you're just you are just psychic or you are just a medium and you can just sort of do it that you don't train to do it. I don't think people understand that you are learning to operate this machinery that you have. So can you explain that? There are people who are naturally psychic. Um, there's lots of people who've written books about the fact they've never trained and they are psychic. Yeah. And they could do it and they do it in their own way. Yeah. In, at the SAGB, everyone was taught in the same method. And the method I taught was Ivy Northage's method using the chakras because there are teachers that don't use the chakras. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way they do it. But this is a more formal way of teaching it. So it gives people confidence and more of an understanding of their own subtle body and the mechanisms of tuning in. Can you explain that then? Firstly, explain what a chakra is. A chakra is, um, a chakra means a wheel. Sanskrit name means wheel. It's an energetic force. Yeah. And when you're using it for purposes of um, working and visualisation, you can use, you can imagine a vortex of energy. So they're on every layer of the aura. There are 360 in total. Yeah. Allegedly. This is all what we call received wisdom. So someone who's listening to this may say, oh, no, I don't, I think there's more than that, well, there's less. Well, <laughs> you have to take all the information you receive and find out what's right for you. So the seven main ones we use, uh, the base and the crown, which are the first and the seventh, are always open. Yeah. And the others are what we call closed. They're not actually closed, but we desensitize them or sensitize them, depending on whether we want to work or whether we don't want to work. And that's a form of discipline so that we are protected. But then how does that work when you're learning psychic work and then mediumship work? 
what are you doing with the different chakras? I think this is why it's very difficult to learn how to do this because, as I say in the introduction, you can't see it and you can't automatically sense it. So you might say to a student um, or to your class, okay, you take the energy up to the heart centre and for a good few years, we haven't got a clue what we're doing. We don't know what to sense. So how... That, that's why you're better to start off with a meditation class, do a lot of reading about the chakras and understand them and what they do yeah. before you start to work with them. Ah. Because it took me a good few years before I could remember which chakra was which, what colour they were. I was terrified of being asked which chakra was which. I could never remember the sequence. So once you have an understanding mm. of um, the chakras and how they work on a personal development level and how they affect you, and what glands they're associated with, what parts of the body they're associated with, you understand that on a personal development level. So you can understand how they work with your body and how when you're, when you're um, going to an interview, say the second and the third chakra might feel tight or you might have issues associated with that. Okay, yeah. And then um, if you're feeling sad or you've had an emotional upset, yeah. you might protect your heart so the heart energy might be closed. Everything has to be made into noddy language for me. Is You're basically saying that the first step is to understand that you have a physical body and then you have an, an energy body Yes, that correct. has these different um, areas that correspond to the physical body. And then, and then when we go into the, the psychic work, you... Sorry, I keep hitting the table. The psychic work operates... Explain the psychic work at the heart level and then the mediumship work at the brow level. Yes. So... For the first few years of training, or maybe less with some people, some people develop very quickly, you are taking, moving the energy. Now, there are different ways of moving the energy. You can imagine the energy is just quickened, which is the fastest way to do it. So you prepare yourself in class. So you sit down, you ground yourself, you cleanse away the day. Yeah. <laughs> you open up your chakras. There's different ways of um, different methods of opening up, and then you prepare yourself to work by asking for protection, asking your guides to draw close, whether you know them or not, and then you move the energy up to the heart and you expand. You feel yourself expanding. Now, prior to all this, you you would do breathing exercises in preparation for opening up. So you might do breathing exercises or visualisations with your teacher yeah. to get you into the right state for this sort of yeah. work. Yeah. So then you move the energy up and then you might focus on the person, um, one person in the group or you might have one-to-ones and you just focus on them to the exclusion of all else and you just sense how they're feeling. Sad, happy, you might feel tension somewhere or you might have a, a pain in your hand or yeah um there's lots of you've got lots of clues but it's very difficult to understand the clues that's the so thing, you might it? get a red telephone box now a red telephone in I your tried, mind's eye yes so yeah. i'm i um i avoid telling students at that stage what i think a telephone box means because a telephone box could mean you need to phone someone or it could mean that you pass a red telephone box every day yeah. on the corner of a road. So 
as a teacher, if you start saying what you think things are, then you plant that seed in the person's mind and they're always going to think that that's what it means. When it, it's a much broader scale than that. But you see, that as well is why it's nutty being a mediumship teacher because because I, mean, I remember for years I'd say, oh, Sherry, what's this mean? What's that mean? And then you're, you have to learn as a student to trust that your teacher knows that you're in exactly the right place, that you're doing the right thing, and that you, that you not to give the student a set answer like you're saying. Yes, exactly. So to make them, I would then say, the energy, once you start to speak, when you've moved the energy up, it automatically drops. So you then have to move the energy up again to the heart and see if you can't explain what something feels like, you go to the heart again and see what it feels like. So if it was about communication with someone, it's invariably going to be an emotional thing. So you may feel an emotional connection around the heart. But if it's something that you pass and it's a building, you won't feel that. But basically, Polly, it's a matter of experience (laughs) and working hard at it. So you get used to doing it. It's not a quick fix. It's not like going to do a 12-week course in... um, engineering where at the end of it you will be able to do whatever it is engineers do at the end of a 12-week course (laughs) engineering I suspect so you will at the end of a 12-week course in psychic work you will have a basic understanding but everyone on that course will be working on a different level of understanding based on their experiences in this life and if you uh, believe in past lives previous lives and also what they've read And what's going on in their life on a personal development level as well. There's two things in there, and I've got to try and remember this. The first is that when you say bring the energy up, it's at the beginning, I know because I could hear it, a lot of us were, you could hear us heavy breathing. We just go (gasps) like that and breathe the energy in. I'm not sure that that made any difference. And And then it gets to the point where you just sort of trust that you are moving energy there. I think this is why it's so hard to learn it because you don't, as I said before, you don't know what to feel. No, you have to. You have to try different methods, and also that's why it's good in workshops. Particularly, it is to get people to share their experiences and how they feel and what they're doing. Because if you're moving energy with the breath, invariably you'll either start to hyperventilate, <laughs> or you, you come to a point where you can't breathe any faster. So this breathing as you take the energy up is not a good idea. It's a matter of either visualising it coming up or feeling it coming up, or just imagining that a light is going on. And then the weird thing is that you know when some, where somebody is, but we don't know where we are. That, well, that's something that I suppose comes as a teacher, that you are responsible for your class. So you always know when someone's having difficulties and invariably you know the level they're at and when they've dropped, you can sense it and what they're doing. So therefore, when you get to the mediumship level, it's easier to help them uh, because I'm sure you've experienced, Polly, when you've watched uh, Mary Poulton work with a student or on the platform, when they struggle and they've got so far and they can't, she'll say, right, now what are you getting next? And they'll say something and she'll say, right, now move on from that. Forget that previous image. Because that it keeps the keeps momentum it going. Keeps the going. momentum because I think we get too involved in the information we're getting. That's the, that is one of the main um, issues that prevent us being good mediums is that when we've been working on the psychic level, it's a very descriptive level and it's more narrative. 
Whereas when you get up to the mediumship level, you really do have to only give what you're seeing. And the tendency is to start to make a story. Because if you see a stereotypical picture of a, a bent old man with a hat and a scarf and a stick, yeah. your mind can take, take you into a story about this man. So the secret is to just renew the energy. Don't start making a story. If you make a story, you drop back down onto the psychic level. And then it gets muddled. And the person that you're giving the information to will say, no, that's not for me, and they won't understand it. How do you know? Well, it's like, it's like a knowledge. It's like the, when you do mediumship, yeah. which you have done very yeah. well. Right? Thank you very much. Like a good student. <laughs> is that um, we all work in different ways on that level. But with me, it is you know something. You know there's a man there and you can describe the man. However, you don't see them. So it's a knowledge. It's something I know. Oh. Beyond any doubt. Because you must have seen mediums in churches where they'll say... The person, uh, the person that they're giving the information to will say, I can't take that. Yeah. And they'll say, well, I'm sorry, this is what I'm getting. Yes. Can you take it away with you and think about it? And that's a bit of a cliche because you think it, it yeah. may be a cop-out. Yeah. But invariably, you know when you're up there and you've got a really good link, you know the information is correct and the facts are correct. And for you, you, you not only know what the mediumship but you know what the student is experiencing that came in a really bad way this is what i find really really uh, complicated about the whole thing is that you are able to see if you like in inverted commas into what a student is experiencing so they might be picking up a little old man with a, a hat on and you see the little old man or or know that there's a little old man with a hat on there as well Yes, but it's slightly different. It's slightly different experience for the person who's working as a medium and the teacher. And yeah. I can't... It's something that you just know. It's like, for instance, you've experienced when someone's had several people that have come through and they don't know where to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I would say, go to the strongest energy and ask them to step forward. But what people do in general is they can't do that because they want to do them all. But... Oh. This is another aspect of mediumship and psychic work really is that the, you are in charge of the information you get, the student. Well, you're in charge about the information. You're in charge as to how you impart the information. Sorry, you're not in charge of what you get, but you um, you are bringing through the information. Yeah, I know you've always said that maybe if something's a bit frightening, which it can be at the beginning because you don't really know what you're doing and it's all new, that you've always said to be you're in charge. And I think, because people quite often say to me, if I've ever talking about it, they say, oh, is it frightening? Well, it was at the beginning, but it's not now. You have to be sensitive with it, Polly, because um, we always say at the beginning not to um, bring children through, especially when you're doing early days of training, because it can be quite traumatic. Yeah. Whoever you send away, yeah. you must have respect for that energy, yeah. regardless of what it is, and send them into the light and yes. wish them well and close that door if you think it's really negative, yeah. close the door. But it's interesting as a teacher that you, I have experienced over a period of time, people having someone come through that you know we don't want. And I just say to them, you know, this isn't a good link, thank them for coming and close it down. Well, you've done that with me. Yes, and, and um, it doesn't happen that often. But going back to this business of different people operating in different ways 
that also I think is quite remarkable because I remember being in the class and me saying knew that I was starting to get a link was that a light would come towards me in the front and that's changed now it's completely changed but I remember that Maria she didn't have that at all she had something coming from behind Mm. so you have to know as well how people are receiving stuff not necessarily I don't think that's something that I need to know in that way, I need them to tell me if they're having difficulties and they tell me how they're working, I will then help them. But when I'm tuning into them, that to be nitpick, that aspect isn't as important until I know there's a problem. For instance, yeah. if um, I think an, a mistake people make as well is that when they get confident as mediums, they will interfere. And, the, and if they get an energy coming through a person, and they say this is I don't know this is a woman and now they're coming to the right now it's always the the maternal side that comes to the right but they're saying they're the paternal they're on the paternal side so that's you interfering by creating this structure around you of how spirits are going to work with you so I now this is a contentious thing because I think that might be people who don't agree with me on this but I think it's wrong to say at the stage say the stage you're at now this is so you know if they come through to the right it's the paternal uh, maternal or left it's or they're always standing there I've heard people say oh they always stand on the left so (laughs) I don't know what it means so that means you're bringing yourself back down you're controlling a situation. Rose, you should just go with it and give the information that's been given. The other thing is I don't agree with is the fact that um, some people have a list of what they're going to ask and they go through it. And it's not something I've taught. Like they'll say they want to know uh, where they've come from, their address, say, or um, what they did, etc. What you need to do is ask them, ask for a description, And then you have three facts about them. Now, the facts that they're going to give you are facts that are relevant to the person they've come for, that the person will know. It's not up to you to know whether they're an electrical engineer or whether they hung curtains. It doesn't really matter. They'll say something very relevant, and as long as you impart that in the right way, the person um, who you're directing the attention to will be able to confirm it. And that's the bit that usually nails the proof, isn't it? It is. Because it's the the more idiosyncratic and unguessable things that nail it. But then that's where it gets to this business of trusting what you're sensing. Because I think one of the hardest things about it is learning what's yours and what's coming from outside you. And and that, that takes years to know. To, exactly. to know the different, uh, I, I don't really want to use the word, but the vibrations of you and what you think versus something else and what they feel like. And, I mean, again, how do you do that? I just don't know how you do it. Like, as you say, it's a knowing. It's pra- it is practice. It's practice and experience. If I could just touch on something, I know you didn't ask me, but I think it's fairly important yes, for people who are listening away. to know is the personal responsibility for all this in terms of psychic work and mediumship work, that you are personally responsible for whatever comes out of your mouth. So you do have to have a filter with this information. Yeah. And you don't ever um, tell someone that someone is going to die 
or that someone has an illness. It's perfectly acceptable on the mediumship level that somebody will tell you how they passed and a condition that they passed with cancer or they passed in a car crash. But you would never on the psychic level say to someone, have you got a red car? I'm seeing a red car, it's got a dent in it. Because that, then you will create fear. You have personal responsibility for what you say. Yes. So this, this is a problem always at the beginners and intermediate level that you're so excited about getting information through that you might say something inappropriate. So you never say anything about ill health. If you have a sitting with someone, usually if they do have health issues, they will bring them up. You know, you, you might say something that triggers them to say, oh, I've got a gallbladder problem or something. Yeah. And then you would say, well, are you seeing a doctor? And if they say no, you say, well, I suggest you see a doctor. And under no circumstances you get involved in telling them anything because you're not qualified to do that and that's not what they've come for. They've come for a reading and that's what they get. So you must never blur the boundaries between being a psychic or being a medium and being a counsellor or a healthcare um, professional. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just want to go back to something about the psychic level and the mediumship level in terms of how it's experienced. Can you explain that? Right, I can try and explain it. (laughs) When you're working on the psychic level, you if you have a creative mind, you'll see lots of things, you'll feel lots of things, very body orientated. You'll feel cold, you'll feel hot, you'll feel sad, you'll feel tingly. Mm. Um, you could maybe draw things, draw an orograph, you can draw what you're seeing, you're seeing a house and a dog. and. You can see a particular building the person walks past on the way to work and um, you can sense a family situation that the person maybe has a problem with their sister. You sense these things on that level. Yeah. Now there is a problem that you can have when you're at the intermediate level whereby, say some, say you came to me and you lost your grandma recently and you're, you were so attached to her, you are full of grief that her... Part of her is contained within your aura. An image, a composite of her is in your aura. Oh, yes. So say I was, a, I was an intermediate level and was working on you. I could think I'd got your grandmother because I say, oh, there's a woman around you and you describe them and you say, oh, that's my, that's my nan. Yeah, is she, she okay? Is she here? Is she okay? But somebody who wasn't that experienced might think they've got them when in fact it's just a composite of your nan that you're holding close. How do you tell the difference? Well, experience and a process of elimination because you, you, as a teacher, you would know what level the person was at and you'd be able to say, I don't think that that actually is that. It doesn't happen that often. So you, when you do that in class, it's not that you can see that that is a composite, you know, almost like a hologram no, of no, the person. No, it's it, just it that you can person. see where they're working. Well, I don't know. I don't see them. I know them. But then there's a, just a sidetrack before we go up to the mediumship level is um, I'm sure you've experienced in class when someone has got a description of someone at the mediumship level. Well, this is hovering, sorry, we are hovering between the mediumship and the, the, the psychic and the mediumship now, so I've jumped slightly. So they give a description of, of someone and they're certain it's for you, say. So I yeah. get this description and it's for you. And you cannot take that person. But they're giving a lot of information about somebody you know on the earth plane. Yes. Who's not dead. Yes. 
So then you've heard me step in and say, right, okay, I think this is somebody in spirit that you don't know, but you know their son or daughter who is having a difficult time at the moment. And the only way to get through to them is through you. So they come through because they want you to maybe contact the person and not necessarily say your father or your mother or your sisters come through, but just to offer support. Yeah. But that, that again is difficult to differentiate if they can't take the person. But as a teacher, you, you can sometimes know that and, and you can help the student to work it out in their head by asking questions yeah. and the information. So moving on to the mediumship level itself, it is totally different from the physical level. It is um, it's higher, you're higher up and you have more of an expansion and you're in a headspace rather than in a body space, let's put it like that. Yeah. So um, it's a knowledge. You have a knowledge of somebody there. But again, when you're learning to do this, you can't have expectations that they're going to be look like, you know, like you sitting next to me now. Oh, no. it's Polly. <laughs> you have to understand that it can come through in many, in many forms on the mediumship level. And usually it's a knowing because I've said many times to people that I'll say, right, Polly, you've got someone there, haven't you? And you'll say, no. well, <laughs> I think so. So I'll say, is it male or female? So I have to get your first answer is maybe female. I'll say, right, okay, what do they look like? So it stops your brain from interfering and making a story. So you have to give the first answer that comes. And usually that first answer is correct because you're not interfering with it. Yes. It is strange. So it's, it's a very, very different level of experience and it's something you can't really explain until you've experienced it. It is, it is strange, I think. I think it does now come just, uh, just, you don't see it or anything, do you? It's, no, you don't see it. You don't hear it. I don't, well, I don't hear anything. Well, some people do. Some people are great, clear audience naturally hear but when I hear, it's like the knowing, it's like a knowing, yeah, not actual voices in my ear. But some people, when, when they're working on the mediumship level and they want to get the answers, as soon as they're up on the mediumship level, they'll drop to the throat chakra in order to get the message out. If there's a message that they're not able to impart, they'll drop down to get the message out to help them. So the, uh, the um, chakras around the ears and the throat will help impart that information and also hear what's being said. But then you, do, you, you would do that purposefully. So, for example... If you can do it purposefully if you're having trouble with oh, the message. I always do. Because the messages are funny, aren't they? They go... Uh, they sort of have to kind of float into you in one big sort of ball... So it's not like hearing information or reading a sentence. It's just a sudden feeling of a message. That's how I yeah, get it's it. like, a, as I say, a knowing. It's my favourite word throughout this interview, is knowing. <laughs> but it is. It's like you know the message. And again, you have to be, you know from your experience, Polly, you have to be so precise. So if you're seeing um, an ashtray... Yeah. And stubs, your brain will automatically say this man's a smoker. But you've got but you to don't say... say you can't say this man was a smoker. You have to say, 
I see an ashtray with stubs. Yeah. So it could be someone who developed lung cancer who long ago stopped smoking. Yeah. So you have to be really, really precise with that information. But isn't it true that uh, the more you practice, that the more you sense again when you say the the wrong thing? So how incredibly precise mm. the information is that's coming through. So I might say, use a word like... Um, Oh, they were uh, very witty, and actually the person is saying very chatty. No, funny, and I say not witty, funny, mm. and they're so, it's so precise that way. And the, and also you'll find that working in a class with students regularly yeah. or workshops, you have a camaraderie, and everyone wants everyone to do well. <laughs> so you get used to that. Um, that feeling of, of wishing each other well when you're working. So true. when you get to the point where if you go on a platform, because you can do psychic work on a platform, you can do mediumship work. But if you go to some spiritualist churches, people that are going there have lost loved ones and they're very sad and traumatised. And it's a very difficult area to deal with. And, and usually it's harder work than being in a class because in a class everyone's willing you to go get it right but yeah. out there they sometimes you know they just say no to everything because you're not saying it in that precise way yeah you have to say things in a very precise manner well that in order to get them to confirm that it's their loved one because you've always said to us to be a bit watchful about names because if i said george and actually the name was gary then they, that's a sitter who didn't know how hard it was might go, no, no, it's got to be Gary. But in fact, for me, as a not very good medium, would think it started with a G, what's the problem? So but then they might close the door in their mind. You see, yeah. they, they then think, oh, she's got the wrong person. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what well, I say after that. Person. Yes, exactly. So I always think that with names, if you get a name coming into your head, just hold on to the name, and if it's still there at the end of the sitting, yeah, mention it. But if it's gone, it's gone, and it's just because remember they're all trying to get through up there, <laughs> so it's like a telephone exchange. <laughs> so <laughs> the names can come in thick and fast. Yeah, that's another thing that you said in classes that that you, when we started, you'll say, "Oh, there's lots of people here," and so is it a bit like a shout out goes out. Uh, they could start in class, get down. <laughs> um, I don't know necessarily, I haven't really got an answer for that, but there's the, you know, sometimes it can be very flat and you don't get anyone at all. Yeah. But that can also be to do with astrological aspects, how we're all feeling, how flat everyone is. Because you have to be fully in the moment, fully grounded. Yeah. Your equipment has to be prepared you've moved your energy to the right place and you're ready to go but if your mind is still thinking about some awful situation at work yeah or that you've got to go home to a difficult situation you cannot be that in that mindful place which you have to be in and it is it is amazingly compelling and brilliant when you do get somebody and you do get the right information exactly it's yes. brilliant and that the fact that you know they feel so comforted by the information you've given them it's and they can, they've offloaded in a way that it, by, by yeah. making that connection and knowing that 
their loved one is in spirit and is safe. Part two goes into even more detail.